This is the Amazing Starts Here podcast. Today's guest, Dominic Hamill, one of the Mets' 2021 draft picks, a pitcher out of the third round from Dallas Baptist University. Bill, this is one of our favorite ones because what we learned about Dominic Hamill is that he likes a lot of different, weird, crazy, but pretty cool things. Yeah, we started off by talking about analytics and his spin rate. And we ended up talking about Nacho Libre. So how we got from point A to point B is, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the old witch's hat from when you were in grade school about how you get to uh, your conclusion. I think that's that's a little bit how, how this moved around. Not more, not a witch's hat with, you know, simple up and down. This was more of like a, I don't know, a pig's tail around and around in circles chasing ourselves. But he's a very interesting guy. Um, he's a guy that I know the Mets are very high on. He's a guy that I know when he got drafted, a lot of uh, the uh, pundits who speak about the Major League Baseball draft were very high on. Um, he's a guy that we'll probably see in Brooklyn at some point during the 2022 season. Um, and he's, uh, he's your, doesn't seem like he's a traditional baseball guy, not giving you your, your stock Crash Davis answers. Um, he's very honest and an interesting dude. So I enjoyed our conversation. And uh, any, anytime you're going to talk about Jack Black and his many acting uh Mm, what's a nice way of saying it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, you'll figure it out. Uh, yes, we will make Nacho Libre a quotable movie at Maimonides Park through this year. We'll make it happen. But it's our conversation with Dom Hamill on Amazing Starts Here. Dom, we both want to know, what is a spin rate monster? Because we've heard that term and your name <laughs> next to each other. And we kind of know what it is. But what is a spin rate monster? That is not self-declared. Let me start off with that. <laughs> I just that's just something that came with everything. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just a guy that spins it well. Um, that's something that's I guess come to me naturally for the most part, and I've I've picked up on it and starting to learn how to like use it and to my advantage and whatnot. And I guess just knowing what to do with the spin makes you the monster. So when when does that come about? Like, how old are you when somebody says? Hey, your spin rate is is wild. Like, oh, dude, I didn't, really I didn't, I didn't know what that was till I got to DBU. Um, yeah, I started out two years at a junior college, and like, I just got told like, "Give boss some life on it." I'm like, "Sweet, thanks, I appreciate it." Um, and then that doesn't sound nearly as cool as being a spin rate monster. Yeah, like, no, exactly. I mean, like, I yeah, I, I thought I just like threw pretty firm and then I had a good slider to go with it. But yeah, once I got a DBU, I got introduced to, you know, Rapsoda, TrackMan, all those different uh, analytical tools. And yeah, that's kind of when I started learning, like not only more about the game, but like more about, you know, my uniqueness as a pitcher and how I can, you know, construct myself around that, that data we were able to get. So um, yeah, my coach has brought it up to me. He's like, he, he asked if I was like using stuff uh, once one of the scrimmages when I first got there. And I was like, no, I was like, what do you mean stuff either? I, I wasn't really familiar with the sticky. I mean, maybe rosin and some sunscreen at most, but yeah, they're like spider tack, all this stuff. And like makes your spin. I'm like, what is all this? What is this? But yeah, no, it was cool. And yeah, I'm happy I learned it. Yeah. <laughs> how, how hard is it for you to not sort of become obsessed with that stuff and all the information that gets thrown at you? Like, you know, there's like you're talking about TrackMan and all these different ways of doing stuff. Like you're getting all this information thrown at you and you're at the high end of all these analytics. So how hard is it for you to just just avoid some of the noise, I guess, being thrown <laughs> at you and just focus on what you're doing? 
honestly, at first it was a lot easier just because it was like kind of like an ignorance is bliss type thing. Like my coach is telling me, like, not that I'm just like ignoring my coach, Josh Hopper. I love you. Um, but he's providing all this great information. I'm like, it's kind of like overwhelming to an extent. So I'm like, all right. So I got some uniqueness. I get some, my main takeaway. And then kind of as the year went on and, you know, we're working on stuff in games and more stuff along during that, that fall ball period. Um, you know, just tweaking stuff and making jumps and like seeing, seeing little spurts in your data and whatnot. And like, I don't know, it just, it just brought like a different type of accountability to why I want to do it. And, you know, my intentions behind it all, not behind it all, but just like, you know, getting in depth with like my craft and what makes me good. Um, yeah. Cause one of the interesting things is, is that I'm sure the first time that you threw, they just took your data and they said, Hey, you're amazing at this. What are you doing? You're like, I'm just throwing, like I've done my whole life. How did you learn, uh, how to, I guess, manipulate, you know, fairly without any stuff. How do you manipulate those kind of things, um, versus it just coming to you naturally? I mean, you could do different drills. Um, it was stuff, you know, I'd worked on in the pen. It was kind of some flat ground stuff. And um, I think one of, like, the biggest one – of, one of my favorite drills that, like, really helped me take off and, you know, getting some good ride on the fastball is uh, the black hole drill. And it was just, like, this big uh, PVC pipe, like a fat one, and you just try to throw it through the tunnel. Like, you don't throw it just at a pad and just not just there. You know, I'm trying to run it through and, like, put a hole through whoever's trying to catch him a ball. So I think just a combination of that. And then I guess some extra drill work um, with the off speed stuff that kind of just all culminated in a one, you know, solid arsenal over the past two years or three and a half years, I'd say. And then the pitches uh, or the type of pitch that you throw, it depends, you know, people think, Oh, spin rate, every, every pitch that's a high spin rate, but you have to have the, the right spin rate on the right pitch. So when we talk about spin rate monster for you, what pitch are we talking about specifically? Um, multiple. I mean, I would say my, my fastball on average is probably around like 2450 um, with about 19 to 20 inches of induced vertical. So that's, that's pretty solid ride fastball. And then if you want to, if you go over to like the slider, that's more towards 3000 and it's got a different tilt axis. And so, that's that was the coolest part about just learning about all this data. Honestly, is like there's there's so many different variations of pitches, but they're the same pitch. You know, like like <laughs> my ninety four or something, but just like a little life can look like firmer from what I've been told than like an upper nineties like sink guy. And it's just like it's all about deception. But uh, yeah, it's kind of just each each pitch has its own different distinctions, and I guess just being faced with like those data or those types of uh, analytics, like right after bullpens and stuff and games, like I'm able to just like break down, and, like really think like, okay, that pitch, like I guess backed up a little bit. Let's look why. And Oh, you'll see like my spin axis drop, you know, however many degrees or like, my arm extension was shortened by two degrees. Like I'm cutting myself off. And it's like, it's like those little, like those numbers, like they tell you stuff if you're, if you're listening, right. And if you're most, seven most year people old, are probably listening to this, Keith, but I just want everybody to know that you're grinning like the Joker because you love all this stuff. <laughs> I, do. Love, I, do. I was just about to ask Dom. You love all this junk. 
about to ask Dom, like when you're seven, where you're like, I can't wait till we start talking about tilt axis. Like this is gonna no, be great. No. That came, that came late. That came. That's why I went to a junior college. I mean, I was just, I'd say I was a late bloomer, and then um, kind of just as I matured and you know found my way as I was a man and a player, like kind of just. I can do what I wanted to do, and it made me appreciate those kind of numbers and stuff. Yeah, so let's talk about your journey because you, you, like you said, you started out community college and then went to Dallas Baptist. So, what was once high school started wrapping up? Where were you, and what was your plan? Um, yeah, kind of. I I was talking to a couple of different junior colleges, and I had one offer from a uh, mid major uh, D one school, but. I just, I wasn't developed and I knew if I went to D1, I'd probably be flustered with just like the whole hype of D1 and stuff. And yeah, going to junior college, that was definitely the, the best decision I could have made. Um, definitely with my family's help and friends and, you know, we were able to talk some things out and visualize things. And yeah, for sure, thinking longevity, junior college is the way to go. And I'd recommend that for anyone. But yeah, I did two years there. Um, I didn't really know what to expect too much going in. Um, I was assuming, you know, I wanted to start obviously, but if I was a reliever, then so be it. And then I kind of just like through the scrimmages started doing well, got moved to a starter. And then my sophomore year, that was kind of figuring out like a balance as a starter. Cause I was a super like rah, rah hype kid, you know, young ball player. Want to do all the cool stuff. I always felt like I was in like a music video or something like ah, hype video, but that's not how it works. Um, so, yeah, I kind of honestly, my sophomore year, I got humbled a bit. And yeah, that's when I was able to take a step back. And, you know, I'm thinking longevity of my career and base or my career and, you know, just my overall journey as a person. And DBU, I knew um, guys had gone there. And, you know, I've heard they've all had some great f- uh, physical, you know, developments and then some uh, spiritual developments. And that was kind of something I was looking for at that time in my life. And, yeah, I went, met, met great guys, played with great guys, played for great guys. And, um, yeah, now I'm here by God's grace. It's been a long journey, but we're here. So you go from a junior college to, to Dallas Baptist, and you're probably playing for, what, probably about a month until the season gets shut down in 2020? Yeah. So how, you go from that, where you haven't really been on the scene, so to speak, to being a third round pick a year later. Like yeah. what what happened in that year <laughs> where all of a sudden you went from you said you got humbled your sophomore year, you have a very shortened junior year, and then you're getting selected in the third round by the Mets. What happened in that that time frame that all of a sudden here you are? Um, it's definitely what was already happening, you know, like like I said, I was kind of just not going through like an existential crisis or anything, but I was like, yo, I'm getting older. Like I'm trying to like do something. I'm trying to make this work. And that's when I want to take everything serious. Like I just want to, you know, to anchor down on everything, but yeah, just what the work when I first got at a DBU, like they, from right the minute I got out there, like they just trained like professionals already. And like, that was just being in that environment day by day. Like it just, it's, it changes you for sure. And the guys around me, like, that made me really want to be better. And so that was just all work and just uh, so much just energy already rolling into things. And then once season came, yeah, I had first start was decent. Second one, that was my best start. That put me on the map. Uh, I was, I was kind of, like, on the map. I used to get questionnaires in junior college, and I was like, yeah, 
I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then like, you know, <laughs> come July, nothing would happen. So, um, yeah, once after like that North Carolina game, I was like, we're going for sure. Um, and then, yeah, the season got banged, sucked. I felt like I wanted to redeem myself after my last start of that year kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So just all that quarantine, you know, I was fired up. I was getting work. Um, finally, like I used to go to like the jog down to the gym or the jungle gym, not like a gym gym, um, down the street at my buddy's neighborhood. And like, that's where I do my workouts. And then you'd throw like a football with me if I didn't have a throwing partner or whatnot. And it's just like those little, those little parts of the grind, like they make it so much more worth it down the road. And, I just kept having those experiences my whole life, I guess, and just seeing those things, and ah, it just fires me up. So I quarantined, I grinded, and I made sure this year was the year. Last year was the year, I guess. And then that feeling of draft day, and some guys don't know where they're going. They don't know when they're going. Uh, they don't know if they're going at all. What was that experience like, and how euphoric was that selection? Um, it was bittersweet, honestly. The my first year. Um, that, that COVID year, like I, I got calls and stuff like I, I could have gone, I guess, in those five rounds, but, um, didn't feel right talking to my family briefly. And like, it was just, it, it was, it was, it's hard to get a, a final consensus on the group, but I feel like we just, I felt everyone's intuition. And I was like, we, we, we got to go back. So that's what we did. Um, and then. Yeah, it was just whatever this year. Uh, my mom passed away uh, earlier this year, and so I know she wanted to be at the draft, and so that's why I said it was bittersweet. Um, it was awesome. I had a lot of family and friends out there, but I guess it's like, oh, it's just that one thing missing, you know? So, but I'm grateful to yeah. be here. Um, I'm awesome with being in Florida, Port St. Lucie. Training out there was awesome, and meeting all the people I've met so far. Yeah, I'm just excited to keep going. So you get drafted, then you have to sort of hurry up and wait again, and you don't really get to do much until the very end of the season. You throw a couple innings here and there. Uh, how difficult? Three, Bill. Three innings. Three innings. Always. Well, a couple. <laughs> one more than a couple. So three. <laughs> you know, we we've had guys here when we were short season. You know, we had David Peterson was the Mets uh, first round pick, and he came here and threw four or five innings, and it drove him nuts because you wait your whole life to become a professional baseball player, and now you're a professional baseball player. And then just kidding. You're going to throw eight pitches. You're going to get two ground outs and then you're going to go sit down for another eight days or whatever. Mm -hmm. How hard was it for you to sort of gear up and, and get ready to, to begin your professional career and then get out there and it's three innings. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even supposed to get any innings. I like those three innings are definitely work for, let me tell you. Um, for like when I got there, I already had taken some time off throwing, but we our plan was just to do build up and then maybe some live ABs if I was lucky and build up, you know, that went well. I felt great. And I was like, yo, like, see these live ABs. Let's get these going. And I just kept pushing it off. And then, you know, finally got the one day of live ABs. I worked my way and that went well. And they're like, all right, we'll give you another day. And like, it was just too quick to call it a full day of live ABs. So I was like, you guys should just put me in a game then. And that's when I finally got into a complex league game and then another short one for an inning. So I was like, we better be going to the next one. And then that's what we did. But I, like I mean, it, it was like, it was, they told me it was just like a little like 
if anything, if I happen to get in a game, it would be like a little sweet. That's all I need. I'd be fine. I don't need to throw any more innings. I threw a lot this year. So uh, I'm fired up for this first full season. That's I, I kind of had an idea what this was going to be when I first went in. I've, I've had buddies of mine get drafted before, and, you know, I kind of had an idea of what I was going to get. But I'm ready for this time. Yeah. So what, I mean, because you didn't really have the full bus ride and, uh, yeah. you know, full season deal. What What have you heard from your buddies about, you know, the, I think the, the living conditions are a little bit better uh, these days, but, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What have you heard about the, the minor league grind that you're expecting in 2022? Ain't nothing. I got that. I'm a, I'm a Juco kid. Come on. Like I grew up eating Subway sandwiches on not grew up, but on a little, not even a charter bus. We had the little shuttle buses and it's just, we'd drive down two hours from Prescott down here to play a game in Phoenix. And then 12 sweaty men just huddled in a car for two hours on the way back eating his little subway sandwiches. Like if they put a mattress on the floor and put a bag of chips on the side, I said, I'll find a way to do that. <laughs> so where does this, where does this come from? I mean, it's just the, the hunger to embrace the, the journey you know where does that where does that stem from for you um I feel like I just like in my high school career I just like I feel like I let myself down more than I let like my buddies around me not that like I lost a state championship game for us or anything like that but like, I could have been a lot better in high school but you know I just wasn't as serious you know they had all been like training and playing on like good teams growing up and like I'd been filling in here and there so like I kind of was just like not skeptical I just I wasn't all I wasn't fully bought into like I didn't want to make it my career my profession and kind of just yeah towards I got the end of high school you know I was just sick of like I'd, I'd get chance after chance and like I just wouldn't come through and it would drive me nuts and um just I guess experiences along the career they kind of just bring you the realization that a lot of the career is tough similar to life a lot of it is just tough and then those good moments in between they make it all worth it and so I mean like <laughs> like my sophomore year we, we got eliminated from playoffs we were about to go to our, our regional and get a bid into the college world series boom get eliminated we got two hour ride home bus breaks down on the side of the highway, we all got to push the bus off the side of the road, but we all speakers on the bus, so we all just end up having like a parking lot party on the side of this highway after we just got eliminated, and we're all going different ways. And it's like, I don't know, just like you, you, you have a lot of cool moments along the road, and it's like not just along the road of baseball, but along the road of life. Like, you, there's a lot of people you want to make happy and provide for, and just do a lot of things for and repay people. So I guess kind of just getting older. I just I wanted to repay. I want to pay back so many people. So was there, was there something that sort of changed that mentality for you? Like where you sort of saw this as this is going to be my career. This is going to be something that I'm just sort of doing um, as, a, as a hobby, something that I'm going to do for fun, where it, it became this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to do everything possible to make that happen. Was there like a light switch that flipped or what, what happened for you? Um, I would say it definitely had been building up throughout high school. And like when I got to college, I was like, all right, like we're playing college ball now. Like it's getting serious. And then 
during my time at Yavapai, I lost two teammates there. And, you know, just being with their families while they're mourning and, you know, knowing that you now have their support almost as a son. Like, that's just, like, always in the back of my head. And same with my family. Like, I always want to do so much for my family. And, yeah, I, I guess it's people I've met, like, that just really make me grateful. Like, I've met dudes who are, it's like, not in any bad way. They're far less talented. and But they have, like, the mindset. Like, they they could be a big leader. Like, their drive and, like, that that just the mentality they have that you can't teach. But they don't have, like, the talent to go with it. and like. They're backing me. Like, those are some of my boys. And, like, I, I don't know. I just want to give them the world. Because growing up where you grew up, uh, you see the the pros, basically. It's spring training. It's, like, mm-hmm. Arizona. I mean, Florida's cool. But Arizona is, like, everything is right there. It takes 20 minutes to get everywhere. Uh, so, yeah. you know, what was that What was that experience like growing up out there? And how much did you go to those games and just try to, to be around the game? Yeah, I definitely went to a handful. Um, I would say, though, like the time I was going, I didn't – I was just going for like an amusement. Like it was like, oh, this will be a fun thing to do. Like I wasn't like, oh, dude, Trout's here today. You know, like like I didn't have that love for the game yet. Like I liked playing baseball. Like I, I liked it at the time. And, yeah, so that, that was fun. But, um, yeah, I, honestly, I can't remember the last time I went to a spring training game. But I definitely know there's, you know, there's a lot of just Arizona products and, you know, seeing some local kids get up and get, and get their, get their, their rise of shine and whatnot. It's like, like, dude, I'm right there. Like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> so you're a West Coast guy. Now you're, you're drafted by an East Coast team. Have you ever been to New York? What's your, sort of your, your opinion of New York from any experience you've had here? Uh, what are you looking forward to about potentially being um, here here in New York, you know, almost full time? Yeah, no, I love New York. Uh, my dad's whole side is from Poughkeepsie. And so, I mean, this like this is one of my uncle's shirt. My uncle was, uh, worked SWAT in New York, and he was a detective in New York. And so we've got, we've got first-liners in our family. And, yeah, they're all support and they're all fired. It was funny, though. I mean, I grew, I grew up a Yankees fan because my dad is always a Yankees fan. And they're better than the D-backs, obviously. And half my team, or half my dad, that, that one World Series, I'll tell you. Yeah, that, that yeah, that 2001 one hurt. I'm not gonna lie about that, but um, yeah, it was funny because like half the family split between Yankees and Mets, and so obviously when they got the news, they're fired up. And yeah, so like I already, ha- I already have a home out there, pretty much, um, not my own, but you know, figuratively speaking, um, like I got people out there. You know, they're excited for me to get out there and. It's crazy. My dad lives in Florida, which is where I got drafted, and I'm from Arizona, and I have all my friends and family here. This is where I do my off-season training, and it's like, I don't know, coincidence? Hmm. Yeah, I think we play up near Poughkeepsie. I think it's 300 times a year, Keith. It feels that way, at least, when we're up in Hudson Valley. Yeah, yeah, we play up at Hudson Valley. We uh, 36 games last year against Anthony Volpe and the Hudson Valley home run hitters. Yes, Perfect. I remember so. I, I went to a Hudson Valley game one of the times I went to New York. I was like, this is sick. I don't even know these teams, but they're playing baseball. It's sick. <laughs> uh, that's going to – And then yeah. New York City. What are you excited about? I mean, we love our pizza. We love our mm-hmm. traffic. Um, 
love our bagels. Uh, what are you looking forward to most about potentially life in in this the Big Apple? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I know it's chaos. I've been I've been to the city a handful of times, but it's definitely gonna be a different feel. You know, once I go out there, and it's like, you know, we're not just going to Times Square and getting a little soda and a hot dog on the side of the street like you, you live here now so that'll be cool i mean i got one of my one of my buddies lives in the city too um so hopefully i'll be able to connect with him uh with my tom in brooklyn um but yeah i'm I'm excited all around um i always love different changes of scenery and yeah so as a pitcher who, who's a guy that you like watching pitch I mean, the, the Mets have a couple of good ones now with, with Jacob DeGrom and, and Max Scherzer. Who's a guy that you like to sit down and, and, and watch them hone their craft? Um, probably Max Scherzer. I've always liked – I mean, his intensity, obviously, but you you can tell, like, the way he works and the way he goes about his business. Like, he's got a plan. Like, blind – like, it's all it's all on paper. Like, you, like just get out of his way if you're if you're – you know, putting any sort of hesitation on that plan. So, I mean, I – and I know he's kind of had a, a long journey to get to the league, and obviously he's tearing it up. So, I mean, that would just be cool to his hear his story and from him. And, I mean, hopefully that would be awesome if he'd hear me out because, I mean, I, I feel like we have some similarities. Yeah, I, I've read stories about him where, like, when he throws bullpens, he takes a pause for when they would sing the national anthem, and he stands there and takes his hat off. Like, he's – taking a pause during a bullpen when he's warming up. And I read something else about him making another pitcher sign a uh, non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> yeah. Before he, before his bullpen he, session. Yeah. Before he let him throw a bullpen session. I mean, that that's the kind of guy I think uh, I'm, I'm glad is, is on our team now, I think. Yeah. No, I love that for sure. I mean, like you'd call him crazy if it wasn't working, but what are you going to call him? It's working. <laughs> right. hey, you, can, you can still call him crazy, but he's like, <laughs> all right. Uh, like so, a couple fun fun questions for you. Um, doesn't have to be uh, too wild, but what uh, what band, what group are you binge listening to right now, or what's the last thing that you listened on Spotify or whatever? Um, jeez, I'm just an I'm, I'm an all over guy. I don't I don't discriminate with music. Um, say like my favorite genre. I just whenever I get asked, I say miscellaneous because it's just. Like whatever's whatever's out there right now, so um, I mean I like rap. Gunner just dropped a new album, pretty good. Weekend just dropped an album, vibes. Um, yeah, I like all kind. I went to Revolution in Florida when I was out there. It was a reggae concert. I, I love all sorts of music. So I mean, I mean I'm I'm of the school of there's two types of music, good music and bad. So I'm I'm with mm-hmm. you. What's the where is the weird? Do you go back? Do you go back fifties, sixties? Uh, you doing you know grunge punk stuff? No one's <laughs> looking. Like you're driving, pushing the bus down a highway. I mean, hey, sometimes, sometimes I like, got just put. I, I, like, there's songs on my phone or my library that like I don't even know how I get there. And like some days I'll just put all my songs on shuffle, and like I just let my music like pick my mood pretty much. But um, yeah, some songs come on, I'm like. Why did I add that song? Why did I ever add that song? Uh, We've all had that party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Man. That's what I'm saying. What am I doing? That's what I'm, I'm saying. A grown man. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they uh, <laughs> out here right now. I'm, I'm driving my grandpa's car, and the Bluetooth doesn't work. 
and there's no aux cord. So I just been jamming the radio and, you know, you get your good songs here and there, but for the most part, you know, you gotta, you gotta get what you're working with here. You gotta work what you're working with. So, I mean, during Christmas, 99.9 out here is Christmas music all the time. So I was listening to that, but as of now, like some, there's some weird songs and I've, I've pulled up the stoplights and I'm just not even noticing. I'm listening to this weird song and I look over and someone's like, Oh, I'm like, it happens. It happens. It's a show. You just, you just got to wear it. You can either be embarrassed or you just like dance to it. You know, I don't know. So if, if you're not playing baseball, if you're not working out for baseball, what are you doing? What do you, what do you enjoy doing in your, in your downtime? Are you, uh, do you, do you binge watch stuff? Do you go fishing? Do you go hunting? <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you do when you're not on the diamond? Um, I love being outside. I'm definitely an outdoorsy guy. So, I mean, Swimming, big swim guy. I love boating. Um, fishing's fun, yeah. I've never been like – I've always wanted to go deep sea fishing. That That's definitely on the bucket list. I'd like to do that. Um, but honestly, anything having to do with outside or just like playing music, it's out loud, I'm there. Who is the most famous person from your hometown? Uh, well, I mean, just for my hometown, like Chandler specifically, the Bell, or Cody Bellinger probably. Um, but out of Arizona in general, I know Emma Stone. She's from Scottsdale. Okay. I think – who else is from – I'm sure there's so many famous people out here, but I just can't think off the top of my head. <laughs> Cody Bellinger, and I was telling that's not a bad one-two punch. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. Um, what is your favorite movie that you've watched more than anything else? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm gonna give you three because I can't mm-hmm. pick one. I can never pick one. It's like same as if you ask me like my favorite song, like I can't I physically just can't say one. Um, that's why we give guys, you know, three slots when they write that. For sure. That music. For sure. Good. For that good. good. Um, Coco Disney movie, solid movie. Love that movie. Um, honestly, Avengers. The fact that that jumps out at number one is is unexpected but impressive. I have love three that. kids. I watched Coco love probably a thousand one. times. Love that one. <laughs> My grandma loves that one. Um, yeah, Coco. Watched that one a bunch. Um, watched uh Avengers Infinity War watched that a handful of times just because when they all get introduced together or no Endgame Endgame is the one that one's hype and then honestly Nacho Libre I've watched that one so many times <laughs> that so was many times an unbelievable list of movies that have nothing <laughs> to do with each other they're all ridiculous I don't know Who's your Who's your favorite superhero from from Avengers? Uh, from from the like MCU that one, yeah, I would definitely say um, Iron Man. He's got it all figured out. He's got that savvy to him, you know. He does. He does. I respect that. Do you find yourself having to defend Nacho Libre as a, a terrific Jack Black movie? You I know feel, what I, I feel do, I'm and I, it's, it's, it's wrong. I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to. Right. It's just wrong. Yeah, people are like, I've talked about it, or I said a line, they're like, where's that from? 
you like not really, that movie's stupid that's stupid funny Mikey. yeah everything else is too serious i just want to watch something stupid my my buddy tried to get cheaper by the dozen two quotes going and i was like no 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 we'll start with yeah. nacho libre and then we'll work our way to cheaper by the dozen two as a quotable movie for yeah adults. for sure for sure yeah <laughs> that yeah another good one is probably Step Brothers. that's Step Brothers and nacho libre they both are like like way too quotable you know Step Brothers is like the most beloved minor league baseball movie. Oh, yeah, and that's hilarious. Like if you th- threw that on the bus, every bus ride, I don't think anybody was complaining. Yep. For, for Automatic, yes. Automatic group, yeah. yes. Yep. <laughs> I mean, Keith, you know, you're on a different level. You're a little more classy. You're a higher class than, than myself. I'm, a, I'm more of a old school Step Brothers kind of guy. You like to watch things with subtitles. I get it. I love I love the the Quentin Tarantino movies too. Django Unchained, you know, Hateful Eight, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That one was crazy. It was pretty boring, honestly. With the end of it, it was crazy. But I, love the- <laughs> I, I started watching Pulp Fiction the other day. Pulp it was Fiction, on yep, classic. Two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> one of my one of my kids was sick, so I woke up and then I just stayed up because I was watching Pulp Fiction, and I had it was one of those things that. I hadn't watched it in a really long time, and then you watch it again, and there's so many things that are just, like, pop up, and then they're, like, references that you see in life, and you don't even realize it. They come from so many different Quentin Tarantino movies. Yeah. Just Reservoir Dogs, all those different things. They're very interesting. Not like you're going to watch it 300 times like you would for Step Brothers or any of those things, but when you watch it, you appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt. I feel that. I felt like you there, Keith. I was a little little above my element there, talking above my, my shoes. <laughs> I just like Anchorman because it's the more, more buttoned up of the those that's, movies. That's a good one. You like anything with a microphone, Keith. <laughs> uh, Dom Hamill. I think uh, I think that was awesome. You are, you are a true person because none of the things you said today as far as your influences seem to coincide with anything stereotypical. So I love that. Very unique. Very I always unique. leave them guessing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with Nacho Libre on, on a list, we're good. Book it. I love, Jack Black. I love Jack Black. Have you seen Year One? That's another good Jack Black movie. Pretty funny. They're cavemen. Him and Michael Sarah. I'm sold. You guys would both Michael probably Sarah like it. If we're talking about these movies, you guys would both probably like it. I'm just saying. <laughs> Very uh, cool. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you here in Brooklyn at some point. For sure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. 